just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. You're getting kind of an overload of Rational Boomer the last day. I recorded a Rational Boomer podcast for yesterday morning. Then I recorded another Rational Boomer podcast in the afternoon with Ed Jones. And here I am recording yet another Rational Boomer podcast. My son saw what I was doing. He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing a podcast. He said, you just did two and some TikToks. Don't you think that's overkill? I said, hell no. I can talk forever. And he says, well, yeah, you can talk forever, but is it worth a shit? Is it any good? I go, I don't know. That's that's not for me to choose. That's the listener's choice. <laughs> and he says, but why are you doing it? Nobody does that many podcasts in a day. And I said, I have to do it. And he said, why do you have to do it? And I looked at him very seriously and I said, because I'm a content-making motherfucker. And he looked at me disgusted, rolled his eyes, and walked the fuck out. I was only half kidding about that. I've thought about that phrase, content-making motherfucker. I thought, I should make a t-shirt by about that. I should put that on a t-shirt. That would be awesome. And I would put it on a t-shirt, but I know the wife would say, fuck no, you're not doing that. You're a father. You're a grandfather. You're better than that. And I would tell her, no, I'm not better than that. <laughs> she goes, you're still not fucking doing it. So discretion is the better part of valor. I won't be doing that. But since we're talking about the previous podcast, the one I did with Ed Jones, this is the second podcast I've done with Ed Jones. And uh, I got a lot of good responses on the first one. A lot of people felt like we were a good combination, had good chemistry. And that's not surprising. As I've said before, I've known him for a long time. I know how he thinks. I know how he talks. I spent 20 plus years with him on the air. So we do have some common ground, some common interest and attitudes about things. And uh, he knows how I work. I know how he works. So it's not surprising to me that it went well during the podcast. So we did a second one. We planned it out a little bit more. The first one was just kind of flip on the mics and start talking. The second one, if you haven't listened to it, you should. Uh, a little more uniformed. Not much. I think what Ed and I have to do with that podcast is have more fun with it, more casual. When I do these podcasts, yeah, I dick around on these podcasts, but they're more news-oriented and they're time-sensitive. That doesn't have to be the case with Ed Jones. We can talk about current events and those sorts of things, but I think it may be a little looser. Now, when I first started talking to Ed about doing this, he says, yeah, I'll do one. <laughs> I said, okay, let's do one. And then after we did the first one, some of the people he knows heard it and said, hey, that's pretty good. He said, well, maybe I could do it once a week. <laughs> and then he got some more response to uh, the first show. And after the last show that we just did, this show uh, that we just did with Ed Jones, he says, you know, I'd be up to doing as many as three a week. 
And you know what? I'm a content-making motherfucker, and I will do three a week with Ed Jones if that's what he wants. But here's how you have to understand how it's going to work. Um, I'm going to do the Rational Boomer podcast like you're hearing right now the same way. I'm not going to do any fewer of them. And uh, uh, I will make the Ed Jones, whether they be three times a week, once a week, twice a week, whatever the fuck it is, they'll be additional shows. So there'll be a lot of content out there. Again, I don't need to remind you, I'm a content-making motherfucker. (laughs) I'm glad my wife doesn't listen to these podcasts. I would get so much shit. Anyway, that's what's happening. Had a good show with Ed Jones. It's always easy to talk to him. We're always on the same page. He understands uh, what I'm going to say. I understand what he's going to say, and it really meshes nicely. So if you haven't heard the last uh, or the second Ed Jones and and Mike uh, um, podcast, by all means, check it out. It's it's good. And he is certainly a rational boomer. I wanted to tell you something else, too. I had another event today in between all these uh, podcasts and TikToks that I've done. Yeah, I've done a lot of them in the last day because, well, I'm a content-making motherfucker. I'm sorry, I won't do this again after this show, but it's going to be put in there every so often, just how I think. Anyway, I did something else that had nothing to do with Rational Boomer or podcast or TikToks or anything else. Guess what it is? I got my second COVID booster shot. I've had all four shots. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, what are you afraid about getting COVID? It's going away now. Is it, uh, are you still concerned about it? Well, I am still concerned about it. I'm worried about giving it to my grandkids and that sort of thing. But the real reason I got the second booster and the fourth shot, more than anything, was to piss off Republicans. <laughs> Can't wait to be someplace and say, yeah, I got all four shots. I got two boosters. Just to see their fucking heads explode, you know? <laughs> Like I said, my hobby is pissing people off and pissing Trumplicans off. I particularly enjoy, but I got the second booster. My arm hurts a little, and it was weird when I got the shot, the first booster and the second booster, it had the same effect. It was very slight, but I felt this kind of spacey feeling, you know, kind of, uh, kind of uh, in a in a fog but just for a short period of time and then my my uh, stomach started to get a little nauseous i hadn't eaten anything that morning so uh <laughs> so i'm sitting there my head's kind of spacey i'm getting out of the uh the 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 drugstore where i had the shot done one of the majors <clears throat> and and as i'm walking out i'm thinking okay my stomach's feeling kind of weird. I'm feeling kind of spacey. Maybe I should eat something because I hadn't eaten anything, and it's 11 o'clock in the morning. So the only option I really had, there was a Speedway gas station convenience store right next door. So I go over there, buy some fucking stupid... <laughs> Again, my wife would kill me if she knew this. But I bought one of those uh, uh, steak uh, burritos. I don't even think they really use steak. I just needed something to fill my stomach, and I got a diet uh, soda, and I drank that down, and guess what? I felt good. 
No other effects thus far with the second booster. However, I did notice a couple of black SUVs following me everywhere I go. But other than that, it was pretty good. <laughs> oh, I tell you. My life is just a whirlwind. <laughs> Not really. It's actually pretty dull. Some of the most exciting things I do is uh, with the podcast and TikToks. Uh, you know, I'm talking to, to, to my son about the podcast, and while he's all about podcast, he doesn't listen to this shit. My wife doesn't listen to the shit. And I ask him, why don't you listen to it? <laughs> and they all say the same thing, because I hear this shit 24 hours a day. One of the things I talked about with Ed Jones, I get I get a lot of trolls coming to me in my podcast or in the TikToks, especially, and they will say, "Oh, you're real tough behind the microphone and the camera. I bet you're not like that in person. I'll bet you would uh, not stand up to me and say shit to me. <laughs> you're a keyboard warrior." And unfortunately, much to the chagrin of my family, <laughs> that's not true. What you see here, what you hear here, is essentially who I am. And as I say, much to the chagrin of my family. If we're ever someplace and somebody's trying to trigger me, and when they say the wrong thing, I can just see the look on all my family's face. It could be my wife. It could be my kids. It could be my brother or sisters. As soon as somebody says something to me like that, they're gone. Oh, shit. Here we go. <laughs> So I've always said I want to be my authentic self on TikToks and on podcasts, and I can promise you what you hear is basically who I am and how I would talk to you if we were walking down the street or standing in front of a liquor store or wherever the hell we might be. Anyhow, let's get down to the business at hand, the news at hand. Here's an interesting thing, kind of funny actually. Donald Trump Jr. has effectively confessed to helping to mount a coup against the United States of America. He's basically confessed it in some texts that uh, the, the DOJ or the House Select Committee has found. Now, Donald Trump Jr. is not the smartest man in the world. Here's the fucking crazy thing. Donald Trump Sr., dumb as fuck. Donald Trump Jr., even fucking dumber. <laughs> All he's done is rode his dad's coattails, and he got some money, and he got some exposure, and he got some fame, but he's still holding on to those coattails. And guess where he's going next? Right over the fucking ledge. Because Don Jr. and Don Sr. are in fucking trouble. And it's because Don Jr. is a fucking idiot. Two days after the 2020 presidential election, Donald Trump Jr. sent some pretty damning texts to Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. And we know all the problems with Mark Meadows and all the text that we're hearing about with him. He told Meadows, we have operational control to ensure Diaper Donnie's second term with the Republican majorities in the U.S. Senate and swing states and legislators. See, what's happening there, he knows that Donald Trump is lost. So like his father, Don Jr. is trying to figure out ways to game the system, to cheat the system, to win even though you've fucking lost. 
Junkie Jr. laid out ideas for keeping his father in power by subverting the Electoral College. In another text, Trump's Jr. said, It's very simple. We have multiple paths to control them all. Now, when we talk about all, we're talking about the Electoral College. We're talking about uh, the House of Representatives. We're talking about uh, state legislators. He thinks he's got enough people in spots where he can control everything and game this system and get daddy back in as president. Now, November 5th, Don Jr. outlined the very strategy that is nearly identical to what happened. And that seems weird to me because initially when all this was going down, uh, I would have guessed that Donald Trump would have just been pulling shit out of his ass and throwing things at it willy-nilly. But that isn't the way it seems. It looks like there was some heavy-duty strategizing um, with this situation. Um, He talked about filing lawsuits and advocating recounts to prevent certification in swing states. He also talked about Republican state houses to put forward fake electors. If that failed, he believed GOP lawmakers in Congress could just vote and reinstall his dad. He said, we have operational control, total leverage, moral high ground. POTUS must start second term now. Moral high ground? When in the fuck has Don Jr. ever been even close to being moral, not to mention his father? Now, what this shows, basically, is that Trump knew his father had lost. He was looking for a workaround to the law. He also shows what happened was premeditated. Again, when this was all going on, I really thought Donald Trump and the people around him aren't smart enough to have a strategy. They're just trying whatever comes up, whatever they can think of, and they're just trying to whip it back in and and make it work. But now what we're seeing is that um, um, what we're seeing is that in fact we've got premeditation, we've got strategies going on, and apparently there were people that were um, smart enough around Donald Trump to generate some plans. We heard about. Um, um, the helping Congress and that sort of thing. And I'm going to tell you something about that next. Uh, But clearly there was a lot of planning going into this. We heard about meetings over at the Mayflower Hotel. We heard about Jenny Thomas coming into the White House holding meetings. I heard uh, the former press secretary, forgot her name, don't care. Uh, But she was saying that Jenny Thomas would come over on occasion and have lunch with Donald Trump. Now, here's some crazy bitch that just happens to be married to a Supreme Court justice, and she's telling Donnie what he needs to do. And she's fucking crazy. She's following QAnon. That's scary enough. If Donald Trump was the smartest man in the world, the fact that he was sitting down and listening to Jenny Thomas would be frightening. But the fact that Donald Trump is stupid and just as much a conspiracy theorist as uh, Jenny Thomas... Well, that's fucking scary. I mean, you think about it. This is the power of this country, and that is the mentality who's controlling the country at this point. 
I mean, to be perfectly honest, we were pretty lucky. We we didn't end up worse than we did, you know, either in a nuclear war or or the economy shot or whatever. We got kind of lucky when Donald Trump came out of office. And so we're seeing Donald Trump Jr. exposing the fact that this was all premeditated, that they planned and they strategized. I mean, we know that John Eastman, the lawyer, has uh, been accused of being the architect of the whole coup situation. And that may be where Don Jr. was getting his information, because Eastman was the, and I use this term loosely, the brains of the outfit. (laughs) And the funny thing is, here's a lawyer, an allegedly learned lawyer, coming up with this crazy bullshit to supersede the election. And none of it made any legal sense. But in his mind, somehow, he was trying to wrangle a way to make it work. He was jerry-rigging this whole fucking thing. Don Jr. and Don Sr. were buying into it, not to mention whatever Jenny Thomas was telling them in as far as uh, conspiracy theories and QAnon quotes. This is what was going on at the head of our government in 2020 and 2021. And when they lost, they knew they lost. All they could think of was, how do we fix this? How do we save it? We'll do fucking anything to save it. We will lie, cheat, and steal, and that's exactly what they did. They lied, they cheated, and they stole, and they thought they had complete immunity from doing this. None of these folks ever thought in their wildest dreams that this somehow would come out later and they would be exposed for the frauds they are. Now, some might say, well, they're just too stupid. They didn't know they were breaking the law. And I would bet they knew they're breaking the law, but this is how these people think. If you ever deal with a narcissist, they will rob you, cheat you, steal from you. And the moment they do that, then they rationalize why they did it. There's a good reason in their mind why they did it. Now, these people like Jenny Thomas and uh, Donald Trump, Don Jr., Eric, Ivanka, Mark Meadows, all these fucks, in their mind, they were convinced that they were saving the country. That's why the insurrectionists attacked the uh, Capitol. These motherfuckers thought they were going to be heroes. They thought that the Democrats were going to destroy this country, which wasn't true, of course. But why did they think that? It's because the media, like Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, the Trump Organization, fed this information to these people, and they are so gullible and so stupid that they bought it. Even though it didn't make any sense, even though it was clearly lies, they bought into it. And when they bought into it, they were willing to risk their lives, their livelihoods, their freedom in order to serve a greater good in their mind. Never once did they think they were doing a bad thing. The people who stormed into the Capitol, they honestly thought they'd be become heroes It's kind of like the Russian-Ukraine thing. Vladimir Putin honestly believed that when he went in to try to liberate Ukrainian people who didn't want to be liberated, that they'd be lining the streets, throwing flowers, welcoming Vladimir Putin. 
Now, I don't know if that's what he was just telling people or he actually believed it. But I think in the situation with the Trump organization, the Trump administration, I think they really believed it. I think Donald Trump is one of these people that believe his lies. I mean, as I say, they rationalize this stuff out, and somehow, ultimately, they convince themselves that it's true, and they deserve everything. And that's what Donald Trump tried to get. Now, the big question is, when are they going to get Donald Trump and some of these congressional fucks that help to over, try to overthrow this country? Well, we got some news. So do you remember Proud Boy leader, insurrectionist planner, Ali Alexander? Yeah, he was the big mouthpiece for uh, the Proud Boys. And we talked about him in not the last podcast, but the podcast before, how he wasn't at the insurrection because he had been arrested on the 4th of January, but they got his phone and they found out that he was involved in the planning. That in itself is pretty interesting. That tells us that the um, January 6th committee and the Department of Justice are not just looking at the attack. They're looking at the planners. And we know that some people in our Congress were involved in the planning, at least so we assume. Well, here's the thing. This Proud Boy leader, Ali Alexander, is uh, in jail currently. He wants to get released until he has trial in May, but they aren't letting him out because he's fucking dangerous. So there's Ali Alexander sitting in his cell, contemplating his navel, and trying to figure out a way to get out of this mess. What could he do? What could he possibly do to shave off some time from his potential sentence? Well, then he had that light bulb moment over his head. And what he decided to do was cooperate with the Department of Justice. Oh, there's a good idea. Let's be a rat. And this is where the Trump administration and the people in Congress have big problems. Because you got people that you brainwashed, uh, making them think they're heroes and that they had to do what they had to do. And now they're arrested, sitting in jail and realizing they were lied to. And now they're going to pay with years of their lives. Ali Alexander, um, who is head of the Proud Boys. Let's be honest, I can't imagine he's in it for anybody but himself. He connected himself to Donald Trump and the Trump Organization because he thought it would uh, raise his his clout or what have you. Well, now he's sitting in jail and he's going to go to jail, so he's got to give up something here. Now, we haven't really heard when people are are uh, turning states' evidence or uh, cooperating with the DOJ. We don't always hear what they know, not yet anyway. That will be coming. But here's what he's doing. Here's one thing he said in terms of this cooperation. He's saying he got help from multiple GOP lawmakers, including Representatives Paul Gosar, Mo Brooks, and Andy Biggs. Oh, shit. <laughs> This may shave some time off of uh, Ali Alexander's sentence, but it's also going to shorten the terms of these treasonous fucks in Congress. Can you say expulsion? Now, it's not a done deal yet, but when your um, comrade in arms starts giving you up, 
Well, you've got a lot of problems. And there's other evidence. There's video. There's audio. There's text messages. All these people are in deep fucking trouble. Ellie Alexander might get a shorter sentence, but we may very well get rid of Paul Gosar, Mo Brooks, Andy Biggs, and probably several others. I'm sure Lauren Boebert's in there, Louis Gohmert, Tommy Tuberville, all these fucks. This is all going to come to the surface. And can you imagine what's going to happen when you get two or three or five or seven Republican representatives expelled from Congress? Yeah, how's that going to look come November in the midterms? You Republicans have been exposed for the criminals, the corrupt treasonous that you are, and you got kicked out of Congress. Look for that to come, and uh, let's see what Ali Alexander ultimately comes up with, because <laughs> this will be interesting. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. So with regards to the Russian-Ukraine war, Russia is now focusing on eastern Ukraine. Now, they initially went in to try to take over all of Ukraine, tried to uh, cause the fall of Kiev, and that didn't work. They weren't as tough as they thought they were. Ukraine has fought like hell and pushed them back, and now they're stepping back and regrouping and saying, well, let's just focus on this one little area in eastern Ukraine and win that, and then we'll call it a big win. That's what we intended to do in the first place. That's what these fucks do, right? So anyway, they're pulling back, and they're uh, continuing the strategy with targeting civilians. Now, yesterday, Russia boomed, boomed, <laughs> Russia bombed. That's what happens when you uh, do three podcasts in a period of 24 hours. You get loopy. I'm a little loopy. Thank God. Let's say it all together. I'm a content-making motherfucker. <laughs> now, y'all know I'm joking when I say that, right? I'm not really that cocky. I'm confident, but I'm not that cocky. Anyhow, yesterday, Russia bombed a train station in the city of Kramatorsk, a place where hundreds of people were uh, walking around and, and trying to get away from the war. They were going to this train station to get on a train to go to western Ukraine and ultimately out of the country. Now, of course, Russia says, well, we're not targeting civilian places. Well, they fucking are. This bombing killed at least 50 civilians and injured or wounded up to or maybe more than 100 civilians. This in itself, if, if Vladimir Putin hadn't done anything else, this is clear and simple war crimes. And there has to be some accountability for this. It's just a matter of how they're going to meet that out and when they're going to do it. Now, officials in towns near Kiev, including Bucha and Makariv, have found hundreds of civilian bodies as they assess the destruction following the withdrawal, withdrawal of Russian forces from northern Ukraine. Now, while this is going, Vladimir Putin is gaslighting Russian, Russian civilians, telling them that Ukraine attacked Russia and that they're fighting the Nazis in Ukraine. They've had some success with that, too. They got a lot of people believing that. But by bits and pieces, the truth is leaking in. 
there are certain people that don't believe it. A lot of the young people don't believe it. There is some protesting and there is some kickback because of this. But the people that have figured it out really can't even speak about it because the Russian government has made it illegal to talk about it. It would put them in jail for maybe up to 15 years. Fact is, they are, forbi- they are apparently forbidden from saying the words war and evasion. Here's the deal. They gaslight you. And if you're not dumb enough to be gaslighted, they said, well, if you talk about it, we're going to put you in jail. This is truly an evil empire. And I think that was a Ronald Reagan quote. Getting Russia to pull out of Ukraine and a ceasefire isn't going to be enough in this situation. When this first started, I think a lot of people said we're going to sanction these people and if they just pull out of Ukraine, we can get back to normal. But all that's happened up to this point, all the atrocities, all the war crimes, all the innocent women and children raped and tortured, all the civilians that have been killed, there's really no going back from that. You can't say, okay, well, you pulled out. We're done. You're fine. Vladimir Putin is kind of like a cancer. And as long as he's in power, that country can't enter remission from said cancer. What I mean by that, even if Vladimir Putin gets his ass kicked, goes back with his tail tucked between his leg, back to Moscow, brings all the troops out, Vladimir Putin is a dangerous man. Vladimir Putin is a dangerous man anyway, but now he would be a wounded dangerous man, like a wounded animal, and they are even more dangerous. If they were to expose him for the mistakes and the failure he's been in this war, he would lose his shit because he's a narcissist. And then it gets serious, and then it gets even more violent, and God knows how much more violent could be because what... What is going on is absolutely horrific. So, in order to end this thing, there's more than Russia pulling out and stopping the war. That's not going to be enough. There are two more things I think that need to be done. And I've said the second one before. they got to pull out from Ukraine to stop this stuff, of course. But they have to get rid of Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin has to be taken out of power. As long as he's in power, there's always a danger that something like this will happen again, either in Ukraine or in some other country. We're all sitting on the edge waiting for him to do some crazy shit, all worried about whether we're going to enter into a nuclear war. Vladimir Putin uses that as leverage. Now, in terms of a military, obviously, it's much weaker than we thought it was, the Russian military, that is, and that is being exposed. And Vladimir Putin knows this, so he's saying, yeah, but if you get involved, we're going to start a nuclear war. And as I said in the previous podcast to uh, Don, uh, Don, Ed Jones, his name is actually Donald but he goes by the name of Ed, it's his middle name or some shit, I don't know. But as I told Ed, I said, look, um, either Vladimir Putin is really crazy enough to push the button, or he just wants you to believe he's crazy enough. To him, that's leverage. And that's not uncommon. You know, when you're young and you 
get into fights in the schoolyard, if you'd been in a couple of fights and you act tough, a lot of people will stand back from you because they're not sure. And with Vladimir Putin, nobody's sure where his head is at. He's obviously doing some crazy things. Uh, Really not that crazy, though, because he's done these things before in Poland and, uh, or, well, Russia did it in Poland in World War II. Vlad wasn't there. He's too young for that. But it was done in Syria. So this is a common thread with Russia. This is what they do. They commit war crimes. So this isn't unusual that he would do it. The third thing we need to do with Russia, and I think this is important, it goes back to what I once said. If you've got a bully and you knock him down, you really got to make sure they're down permanently, or at least long enough for you to get away to safety. Because if you don't do that, you're going to have continuing problems because they're always going to want to redeem themselves or somehow get you back. So we've got to get them to pull out of Ukraine. We've got to get rid of Vladimir Putin. And then after that, we've got to take a strong hold on these sanctions. We need to squeeze them hard. We need to bring the whole country down to its knees, break it down. Not because I want to injure the citizens or the people of Russia. I don't want to do that. But it's important we do that. Because if we break it down to nothing, then it has an opportunity to build itself back up. We could maybe help them build it back up, but hopefully when it's built back up, it'll be a better country led by better people. As long as Russia has these nuclear weapons, nobody's safe. At least mentally, they're not safe. It would be nice to get those nuclear weapons away from them, and I'm not sure that can be done. But if we can crush them, the way they'd like to crush us economically and get somebody that would be willing to work with us, well, that could be a pretty powerful connection. If America and Russia were working together and we had a government in Russia that we could trust, which is a big ask, I'll grant you that. But if we could do that, there's a lot of good that could be done in this world. I mean, if we could create some kind of... uh, agreements between Russia, America, and China. It's a lot of money, there's a lot of power there, and a lot of good could be done. At this point, we can't trust that China or Russia will do good. They only care about bettering themselves and getting rid of those people who think differently than they do. And that would mean us. They all fucking hate us. Because we have a certain amount of power, we exercise some influence around the world, and they don't like it. So what they'd really want to do, what Russia would want to do, and they've said as much, is break us. Break us down. That's what Vladimir Putin is doing with uh, meddling in elections, uh, doing the uh, hacking and all that sort of thing. They're trying to divide and break down our country. So if that's what they're doing to us, then maybe we should employ that same tactic. Destroy the Republican country. Bring it to its knees economically. And then let it build itself back with some influence from us and whoever else in Europe and try to get a better situation there. My biggest concern is that if Vladimir Putin ends up leaving office one way or another, that the next person could be worse. 
And that fixes nothing. We are at a pivotal pivotal point here. We're going to have to deal with this for eternity if we don't fix this situation now. And we're in a good position. We're not in the war. We're helping the Ukrainians. But we've got our hands squeezing their neck right now with these sanctions. And we have to be careful that we don't let them go and let them breathe again too soon. Because if we do, they'll just grow back like a cancer and they'll fucking try to kill us. I'm just telling you. That's the way bullies work. So, anyhow, that's my theory. I'm sticking to it. You may agree with it. You may not agree with it. But it gives us something to talk about. Now, here's here's kind of a funny thing and very a very good illustration of what Vladimir Putin and Russia is all about. The UN announced that they were expelling Russia from the Human Rights Council. And what does Russia do? <laughs> they run to the mic real quick and said, oh, by the way, we're quitting the Human Rights Council. <laughs> they are so insecure that they didn't want it to look like that the UN threw them out of the Human Rights Council, which is what they did. So instead they said, no, we're quitting. You can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> and the whole reason for doing that is to be able to go back to the people in their country or in his country and say, yeah, they say they kicked us out, but they're just lying. We, we got out of it. <laughs> what would be a good reason for a country who's on the Human Rights Council to say, yeah, I'm done with this. I'm not doing that anymore. Is it because you're mad at the UN for whatever reason? The second question I have is, why in the fucking world is a country like Russia on the Human Rights Council? I mean, these people have been known for killing their own people, attacking perfectly peaceful countries like Ukraine and some other areas. And somehow they're on the... Uh, Human Rights Council? That makes no fucking sense. That that explains a lot about government in the world, international government. Because Russia has money and they have power, they let them into certain things, whether or not they deserve to be in those fucking places. But now Russia is so butthurt and so upset about this, once they get expelled, yeah, no, we didn't want to be in there anyway. <laughs> it's kind of like the old days, you know. You're a young man, and if you're a woman, you don't understand this, but the men do. You see a girl you like, and uh, you want to ask her out. But it's a scary situation because you're afraid to be rejected. Every guy goes through this. So you walk up to the girl and you say, uh, Look, you know, I'd like to take you out. Maybe dinner, maybe a movie, something like that. How about that? And then, of course, she says, No, I'm not going out with you. And just to save face, you say, ah, yeah, I didn't really want to go out. I was just joking about it. Forget about it. That's how insecure Vladimir Putin is. And it's because of his narcissism. Narcissism is a symptom of insecurity, immense insecurity. Which sounds weird because most of these narcissistic people seem to be really arrogant and seem to be overconfident. Well, that overconfidence is basically a mask for their deep insecurity coming from when they were young or how they grew up or who their parents were or what experiences they have. 
these people are immensely insecure. As I've told you, my father was a narcissist, and he was immensely insecure. If someone tried to point out that he was wrong, that's when he lost his shit. There's no way he could be wrong. And when he's not going to be wrong, now he's going to yell and scream and get violent and all that sort of stuff. That's what we see out of Donald Trump, and that's what we're seeing out of Vladimir Putin. And I want you to notice something. With all this stuff coming out and people like Donald Trump Jr. and some of this other information coming out, Donald Trump is starting to lose it. This is where we're getting close to the crash, you know. They go along, they do fine for a while, then they start spiraling, spiraling, why can't I say this, spiraling out of control, and then they crash. Take a look at some of the quotes from Donald Trump these days with all this shit coming out, his kids testifying, and and now this information about Don Trump Jr. Now he's crying and whining. He's in the victim stage. That's what narcissists do. Oh, I'm the victim. Everybody's trying to attack me. I don't understand what's going on. Why is everybody picking on me? And if you see Donald Trump's quotes now, that's exactly what you're going to see. I saw some yesterday, and uh, he's just crying and whining that the whole world's picking on him. The U.S. government is after him. They're just after him because they don't like him, not because any of this shit is true. Typical narcissist. Deny, distract, deflect, whatever. But in every case with a narcissist, there comes a point in time when you can't do it anymore. There's just too much evidence, too much information, and you can't juggle it all. And that is where Donald Trump is right now. And Vladimir Putin's going to get to that point, too. He's still pulling the wool over the eyes of the people in his country, a large percentage of them anyway. But eventually, it will all come to light. Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, Don Jr., all these fucks will implode and they will be devastated and destroyed. It's inevitable. It happens with every narcissist. Who knows when it's going to happen, but I can promise you that with all these people, it will happen. Speaking about narcissism, (laughs) now I might get heat about this. I wasn't, uh, I've told you I don't want to talk about the uh, Oscar slap because I don't care about it. I don't know if it was staged or if it was real or whatever, and I don't really fucking care. But some news came out about it, so I thought I'd pass it along and give some insights on what I see out of this. So Will Smith is his punishment from the uh, Academy Awards is that he will be banned for 10 years from the Oscars. Now, he already resigned from the Academy which means he can't vote anymore. But even after resigning, he could still go to the Oscars. Well, now they had to come up with a punishment. And uh, they were probably having a hell of a time of coming up with some kind of punishment. And the punishment now is that he will be banned from coming to the Oscars or being involved in the Oscars for 10 years. Now, I don't know what that means exactly. Say he gets in a movie and he does a great job and it's Oscar-worthy and he's nominated for an Oscar. Does that mean he can't be nominated? Does that mean he can't win again? I don't know. But apparently he can't show up at the Oscars, even if he does win, if that's allowed. He can't show up to accept it. 
Now, this is probably an embarrassment to Will Smith, but it really, and it brought this up, not so much to talk about the slap, because that's old news, who the fuck cares? But let's be honest. Whatever they're doing to Will Smith is temporary. Guy's worth three, four hundred thousand, three, three or four hundred million dollars. He doesn't need the money. He's going to be fine if he doesn't do another fucking thing. But we know that he'll be back. The one thing I did hear is that he had some projects at Netflix and some other places that were in pre-production or whatever. They've all been put on hold. Now, that doesn't mean these things are going to go away. They're just going to put it on hold to look like they're doing something until the heat is off. And we know how America is. They forget about shit real quick. In politics and in uh, in entertainment. So they'll sit on it six, eight months, and then all of a sudden the projects will start up. He won't be able to be nominated for Academy Award, presumably, but he'll still make shitloads of money, and the people who either like him or don't like him will still go see the fucking movies. I haven't seen the movie King Richard yet, and I did want to see it prior to this event, but now I can't bring myself to watch it. I like biographical-type movies, real stories, so I can get a better sense of the people that were involved. But I can't bring myself to watch it. I don't want to do anything that puts any money in his pocket. Now, I don't hate Will Smith. This isn't about Will Smith. This is about celebrities in general, whether we're talking about athletes or entertainers. The problem in this country is that we put those people on a pedestal. We look at them as better than us. We look to them as heroes. But the fact of the matter is we should learn a lesson. We've seen this from athletes. We've seen this from entertainers. They are never as good as we perceive them to be. They're always doing something fucked up. Take Bill Cosby. Take O.J. Simpson. Take uh, Henry Weinstein, or whatever the fuck his name is. There are some real monsters that are celebrities. But people will overlook those things because they are celebrities. I don't. They're just fucking human beings. And some of these people are horrible human beings. And because they are successful and because they are rich, people look up to them. And that's a problem we have in this country. That has to change. We basically enable these people to do the horrific things that they do. They believe that they can get away with anything, and then when they get caught, they're very contrite and they're upset. Oh, I don't know how this happened. It only happened once. I'll never do it again. And then, of course, the people that are their fans will believe it and let them off the hook. Harvey Weinstein. This fucking guy should never be back in any business again and should be in jail. But ultimately, he'll be fine because he's wealthy and he had a certain amount of power. That power is gone now, but people will still bow to this fuck. Bill Cosby gets out of jail. How are people treating him now? He is a monster. There's no question about it. There's no question he did what they've said he did. But by a technicality, he gets out of jail. Well, he's 100 years old, so who cares? He isn't going to do anything anymore. But we spend too much time praising and uh, 
allowing these people to do whatever they want. They've got fame, they've got power, they've got money, whether it be politics or entertainment. And they are given free reign to do whatever they want. They don't have to follow the rules that we do. And that is a problem. That is a problem with society. That's how. That's why you get some young guy goes into the NBA or the NFL or even the NHL, gets a ton of money, 22 years old, gets a ton of money. These guys always end up broke, it seems. These guys always get into trouble, and not just some minor things, some very serious things. There may be a point to it that you give a young person too much fame and too much money, it's a dangerous thing. Now, I'm not saying all of them do that because they don't. I, I remember a story that I heard about Rob Gronkowski. Now, he's a goofy fuck, but uh, he's a good guy. He's a very talented athlete, and uh, he did something that I guess some other athletes, I think uh, Shaquille O'Neal did this too. What they did was they, you know, they lived their life, they partied, they didn't do anything horrific, they didn't break any laws. And Rob Gronkowski or Shaquille O'Neal comes in. He's making all kinds of money as an NBA or NFL player. But they decide to be smart with their money. And very few athletes are very smart with their money. They're too busy buying cars, houses, and expensive jewelry. But what Rob Gronkowski and Shaquille O'Neal did was interesting. They were getting a bunch of money for playing their chosen sport. But they were also getting a lot of money for endorsements. Now, some people would look at that. I got this big pile of money. I can live like a king. This is going to last forever. But Rob Gronkowski and Shaquille O'Neal didn't do that. What they did, what they did is they took their full salary from the NFL and the NBA, set it aside, invested it, saved it. And they lived off the endorsements. Now, the fucking endorsements are a lot of money, so you can live like a pig on the endorsement money. But they were smart enough to know if you put that money away when I can no longer play whatever sport I'm playing, that money is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'll live less piggish on just the endorsement money, and then when I'm done, I'll have all this money to continue to live my life the way I want to live it. Now, to me, it's it's kind of appalling how much money these people make. I don't know how it's worth it, but somehow it works out. But at least these people were smart enough to protect themselves in the future. Many of these people, you know, we, we, we've had NFL players kill their girlfriends, you know, beat their girlfriends. We've had all kinds of horrific things. We had a running back with the Vikings, Adrian Peterson. Now, when he came out, he looked like he was going to be the greatest running back in the history of the NFL. And he was pretty close. But then he started getting hurt a little bit, and he slowed down. But he was still very good. But he's one of these guys that got a lot of money, and he's young. He's got a bunch of children from a bunch of different women. He's gotten himself in trouble. He's gotten himself arrested. And he took a career that could have been even bigger than what he had, and he threw it away. Just out of stupidity. And it's because we all sit back, bow to them, pray to them, and they feel like they can do anything. And they're dumb enough to act on it. 
We as a country have to look at who our heroes are and who we look up to. Athletes, politicians, singers, entertainers, these aren't people we should look up to. They don't live lives like we would understand. You don't have to hate them, but don't put them on a pedestal. Take a look at the people really doing their work, living their lives the right way, and honor them and uh, pay tribute to them. That's what we need back in this society. We've got a bunch of people doing whatever the fuck they want, breaking any laws they want, and getting away with it. If we ever have to hope to have any decency back in this world or this country, we need to take a look at ourselves and see who we are enabling to act like that, to behave like that. Until we put some limitations on those folks and make them live like the rest of us, it's going to be a fucking shit show. It's been a shit show. It's currently a shit show. From politicians to entertainers to athletes. They're all people that we shouldn't necessarily look up to. You can be a fan, you can enjoy their work, but don't understand that they're not special as far as human beings go. We're all the same. Doesn't matter the color or the uh, or the religion or the sexual orientation or the job they hold. We're all just the same fucking people and we should all be held to the same standards. All right, we're going to wrap it up for the Rational Boomer podcast. Want to thank you for taking the time to listen. <laughs> listen to three podcasts in 24 hours. Well, that's what you get when you tune into a podcast where the guy doing the podcast is a content-creating motherfucker. <laughs> that's the last time I say it. I promise. I promise. You have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.